Quest. What's going on, Chad? I'm super excited to bring you on to Black Matter Podcast. I don't know what episode number this will be, but um, I feel like short story. So for so long, I have heard for so long, I've heard so much about you. And then when I was at LA Media, people were like, you are at VCU. Wes is super dope. You need to meet Wes. And I was like, who's Wes? (laughs) And then I looked at your stuff online. I was like, okay, he's a dope black guy, artist. So I'm excited to bring you onto the show. Um, Tell us a little bit about you. Uh, let's see. Well, I'm from Detroit. I operate out of Detroit. I am an artist, a designer, uh, a general creative person. So I try to make things with people that reflect, I don't know, my values, my ideas, my sensibilities. And those things have a lot of different sources. Um, some of the sources come from the grassroots organizing that happens in Detroit. Some of it comes from like my upbringing and like me coming up in like hip hop scenes and underground hip hop scenes in Detroit and around Detroit. Um, And then as a graphic designer, I try to make things that like look good, um, sometimes functional. Uh, But yeah, I think most of my sensibilities come from like still music and hip hop, even when I'm making visual things. And so that's expanded into like creating installation work um, that is immersive, it's interactive, it's musical. It works within like genres of hip hop, dance music, techno, um, all of those things that I feel like I've come up with. The people that I work with, they also come up with, they've come up with. And then also like these ideas of like science fiction are really important. Like I'm looking at you know, all the Octavia Butler all my on books, there. Yeah, 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 and all that. And These so, are all used to complete my uh, comp exams, but I feel like leaving Octavia Butler and Afrofuturism books just scattered all over your office is, like, the thing to do, right? No to doubt, keep, no doubt. Keep you going with the ancestors around? For sure. And so a lot of that is sourced from, like, you know, ancestors and people that have come uh, before us and, like, even the people that have become ancestors, like, relatively, like... Um, recently, right, and I'm joining the ancestors, like, using and being inspired by, like, their ideas um, and then trying to translate that stuff. So I don't know if that's talking about me. Like, I'm, I'm in Richmond, like, teaching. I commute a lot from between here and Detroit. I have a studio practice. I run a studio in Detroit called Talking Dolls. Uh, I have this label or media company called Emergence Media, and that's, like, a record label slash... Um, production company that helps produce projects that are based very squarely rooted in activism, but they are based within, I would say, contemporary media practices, you know, like music projects, like different video projects. Like we will curate events for places like, say, South by Southwest that Mm -hmm. have like these, you know, this stint. Um, And then I also co-manage a gallery in Los Angeles where I curate my friends and we do like weird side projects with them. And so all of that comes together and becomes my practice. And so like I end up moving around a lot, but um, these are all my interests. Nice. You are all over the place, literally. So yeah. Detroit, talk to me about Detroit. Like I feel like Detroit as far as black art scene is really thriving. 
Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but comparing that to like Richmond art scene, like what are some of the similarities, differences? Do you feel really home in Richmond or Detroit, vice versa? I mean, I feel I feel at home in Detroit a lot. Um, that is, it is my home. And then the, the I feel like there are certain similarities between Detroit and Richmond where um, you could very squarely consider Detroit a black city. It is you know, a diasporic, like, African city um, by population and by, like... Who's, like, carrying, you know, the dopeness that's going there? Is definitely black people. I, I would say, <laughs> yes. I mean, but, like, you know, there are all these traditions that I feel like come from Detroit. Traditions and, like, things, right? Like, techno comes out of Detroit, where it was... It is in very much a black expression that has been co-opted over the years and like, you know, the story of techno has been shifted. Um, but I think it's coming squarely back to Detroit as like, no, this is where it started. These people made it out of these conditions of blackness, of black people being in the city um, and being very much like what was going on at the time that was affecting like a lot of the communities, especially during a time of like uh, a city that was repairing and healing from um, a series of uprisings um, and misjust and, and injustices, um, a city that was um, dealing with this being post-industrial and very much on the front lines of being post-industrial, also feeling the effects of white flight and things like that. And so um, there's a lot of, you know, and so, but prior to that, the traditions were, say, Motown, right? And so we're we're coming from, these music and art traditions that were happening and having great impact culturally on a global scale that are, you know, you can call them music, but they are art forms. And so, you know, there's that. And then there were visual arts movements that came out of Detroit. Um, the artist coming out of Cass Corridor was, was a um, recognizable movement um, that originated in Detroit and had had great impact. And so those are things that I strive, like I um, draw off of as inspiration, especially in my scenes where like techno happened a little bit before me, but then we had our own underground hip hop scenes and like a lot of influential hip hop came out of like the time that I was working in Detroit and doing my thing um, as a rapper and an MC. So three of the, I saw this thing on Instagram, all the like king, quote unquote kings of R&B are battling right now. Did you see that? I've kind of saw that. I, is I, like, who said he was the king of R&B? You know what? I've only seen. I forgot his name. I've only seen the response to people talking about the king of R&B. I haven't seen like the core of it. Um, yeah, we got to look that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let that have to get back to okay. you. But, yeah, um, yeah. Three R&B stars. You mentioned R&B and hip hop. So yeah. three hip hop stars that are like super influential to your work or just like who you, you know, who's got the bops out right now that you're just like, and I'd be right now, but just like three R&B hip hop stars that are really your T. You know what I mean when I say your T? Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, cause it's like, I always feel like when somebody asks a favorite and it's like, what's your favorite food? I'm like, lasagna, but it's like, I don't even eat. Lasagna? Dairy. Can you make lasagna? Lasagna? I cannot. Yeah, I cannot. I can't you can't me. have a favorite food you can't cook. What? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's my that. rule. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, but I would say very influential people 
said oh. that it was Jack Jacquees Jacquees Crowns. Okay, who is that? I don't know. Her. I mean, I think I'm familiar with some of the. He said movie. he was the king of R&B. Okay, who D- else? Then Diddy chimed in. Um, you know, everybody has chimed in, but I was I was watching this you know unfold on Instagram. It's basically like it's like a black boy fight. Yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. catty. Like I'm the king, you're the king. Okay, nobody really cares. I think. Um, I mean, I don't care who the king of R&B is. But no, I don't. I don't. It's either. just like whatever floats your boat. You yeah. Know? But yeah, so three. They don't have to be your favorite, but just like three R&B stars that you feel like, you know, are you, those are your, your homies. Man, okay, let me see. I'm going like, to say to you if they're all straight guys. Uh, <laughs> I know they are, though, They right? probably they might be. <laughs> they might be, so let's just let's get it out of the way. Come over to our side. No, um, <laughs> I mean, okay, let me see. So, Anderson Peck, um, um, as an R&B artist and like crosses over is one and I guess I'm gonna stick to like very current um what's the the guy's name um should have been classier like Wes and just had no eyes no that's (laughs) that's how you know I like a chill drink though that's how you know it's Black Matter is that funny (laughs) right now you trying to call our podcast ghetto? No, not at oh. all. Not, <laughs> what do you mean? Saying, you know, it's, it's like matter. Matter. like it's the it's the it's the matter. Oh, oh, I'm just okay. Like, I'm not I'm just thinking, <laughs> It's like it's not shade. We got lag time. It's not shade. We don't even it's know the shade. artists we're talking about. Um, okay, so Daniel Caesar. Okay. Uh, and you say R and B, so I got one of my favorite. Um, yeah, keep, it's, the the internet. So I love. Did you go last Saturday? No, where what? They were here at the national. I went. I got a free ticket. Shout out to Mecca Style. I kind of knew Spirits hooked me up. Oh, man. I went. It was really dope. I didn't know how much I loved the lead singer. I mean, I listened to the internet because I think via Insecure, you know, Insecure soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. All, that's how I got into them. But um, I love the internet. And yeah. I, I, I think seeing the lead singer in person uh, made me, like, it reaffirmed, like, why I love the band. Like, they are so queer. No, yeah. Sid, Sid is Sid amazing. Sid is really dope. So, yeah, yeah. yeah and Sid sure. sounds just as good live as they do on the um, podcast and I didn't I guess I didn't register I think I knew that Sid was queer but didn't register I don't know their pronouns but I was so just like mesmerized in their stage presence so okay. like shout out to Sid like the 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 presence that they had I mean the, the whole band is good but yeah, like yeah. Sid is like you know just gold so yeah. so gorgeous so talented so cool so much swag yeah very like 90s fashion like yeah. the internet is super dope so yeah, I'm so does that does it that qualify? That's good. You do like a queer, okay, okay. a queer. Okay, there you I'm, go. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm saying like I'm. I'm <laughs> here's the thing: is like a you lot have passed. Yeah, first. I mean, a lot of the work that I do collectively with Emergence Media is working with queer artists mm-hmm. constantly from like the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in Detroit, you know, like a lot of times, it is about. Um, uplifting these voices that are extremely talented that have you know there are their whole communities of like mm-hmm. um, you know queer musicians and, the, and so my business partner um, is is um, trans identifying and so we made the label because they were actually um, working with their identity coming from their previous like gender identity and like coming into um, non-conforming and we needed to create a whole new like vessel vessel and vehicle for this to happen. And so 
intentionally, like, a lot of this has been my work. So are you saying that, like, there, are you, yeah, I mean, we don't, I don't know the person, but are you yeah. saying that maybe their, their identity and their, like, gender transforming um, has something to do with their art making? Yes. Have you, like, have you seen different kind of, you know, things emerge from them as they went through that process? Because I really believe that, like, who you are as a person influences the work that you do. So in making that transformation, do you feel like their art has really, like, shifted modified evolved they're doing like you know they're more expressive than they were it's, it's definitely involved evolved um and so shout out ill ill is one of our best friends and a sibling and somebody i've come up well, i've known since i was a teenager um and teenager so, you look like you're like can you tell the ladies how old you are i mean <laughs> Just Are you on the market? First of all, I'm not. I'm oh, not. they don't need to know. Like, Y'all don't need to know how old he is. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> but your woman is at home. Girlfriend? Yeah. Wife? Girlfriend's at home. Like, don't tell them. Yeah, tell us how old you are. Uh, <laughs> but going back to your question about expression, what has actually like shifted is ill. Like, kind of went to the background and actually does not want to be. Um, foregrounded as like a singular personality mm-hmm. and so a lot of their work is always collective like they don't perform unless it is collective like so they will not go on stage if they are the sole focus uh, that's cool that uh, seems like some intersectionality yeah know? and so like that's like, that was the shift right and like and so the other shift was they started like to not necessarily make straight up hip hop. They started to think about narrative and creating mm-hmm. stories um, and story and science fiction with it. So you know that was that was one thing um, you know that I that I noticed. We, if we were to have like a later conversation and like maybe even bring them into the conversation, that might be that. that You're would trying to offer fun. guests onto Black? I'm not. I'm not I'm wow, you were really like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, that could be a whole nother conversation. You're like, thanks for inviting me, but you need to be talking to Ill. No, Shout out to Ill. No, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Dope. Um, but then, but still, like, being immersed in Detroit with, like, all these, uh, so many amazing queer artists, it's like, that is amazing. And so going back to, like, this connection real quick mm. to between Detroit and, and Richmond, which are both kind of black cities, right? Richmond, less so, but it's still like very much highly pop- has a high population of black people. Mm. But on the surface, the similarity is if you go downtown Detroit, you actually might not know that it's eighty percent black. That's how I feel about Richmond. I mean, Richmond's like sixty percent black or more, and I feel like one of the reasons why I love living here is because Richmond just feels very black. I remember my family came to visit me. I'm from Connecticut, very white. And um, even like the workers and stores are black, like the, the waitresses and staff, like you just see black people like in the everydayness of Richmond, mm-hmm. which is not how I grew up. Yeah. Um, I grew up where like when you saw a black person in Walmart, you like gave a head yeah, nod because yeah. you're like, yo, like it's you and me in this aisle. We're both buying pink lotion. Yeah, like, no doubt. No, you no, know, no. Um, and that, here, my family, whenever they visit, they're like, God, everybody's black. And I'm like, it does really change the ways in which you, like, feel home. Yeah. You know? Um, so, yeah, I, that's one of the things I love about Richmond. That's what I felt when I went to Detroit. But Detroit also has, like, huge, like, Middle Eastern community. It definitely has that. Yeah. Um, it's the biggest Middle Eastern community. In the country, right? In the country. It has, like, some of the highest population. Of- what neighborhood is that? Because that's totally where our, Air- where our Airbnb was. Um, so... 
they are so those those um communities are all over the city but very particularly dearborn mm-hmm. is the yeah city. dearborn that's yeah. what say. i love that you, you were totally my people because i love that you said those communities yeah like, i was like don't monolith i didn't want you to be like them no 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 they no, are no, no, they no. all live in dearborn no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> There, there's a lot of... You're the, up on your terminology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's like diverse communities, <laughs> the too. The blacks live in Jackson yeah, Ward. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We can't do it to them. We don't want it done to us. No, for sure, for sure. With that said, being black, gay, and American, I would say I have like three strikes against yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Living in Japan was super just complicated, yeah. interesting, fun, tokenizing, mm-hmm. antagonizing, yeah. annoying as shit. Yeah. Like, it was so... Um, just every day was different. I always say to people, like, I loved um, living in Japan. Yeah. Like, the everydayness of just, like, you know, leaving work and being, like, in a foreign country. And, like, I used to do things like go out to dinner by myself mm-hmm. and just, like, learn how to order in Japanese. Right, right. Like, that was so dope, especially being black. I yeah, think yeah, you just yeah, need yeah. to feel outside of America. Yeah. Um, but working there was different. It's just, it was extremely tokenizing. And, like, you know, they, they just it was a lot like mm-hmm. just having to explain parts of you that you don't have to explain to other people right no doubt every day. yeah but also like it's weird japan japanese folks a lot of folks in japan like act so foreign towards blackness but like that whole shit is influenced it's influenced by yeah yeah, <laughs> like, no doubt, yeah no like doubt. they take a lot of their cues off tokyo of, yeah, like yeah, no doubt that whole thing yeah. is all from like r&b r&b yeah. r- sorry r&b and like hip-hop culture yeah cult- culturally like it's like culturally they love us yeah i know, I know. they just don't know it not, not and i they don't understand yeah. like our presence in our bodies but they understand like they'll pick up on like the stuff that we do just like not just who we are there's so much of, of Tokyo that I was like, this comes from blackness. Like Harajuku girls. Yeah, yeah. The whole fashion scene. Yeah. Um, the beatbot the beatboxing, whatever you want to call it, the boy bands, uh, the break dancing, oh, like yeah, all yeah. of that. You know? I mean, I saw like when I was there, I saw thugs, like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> what are Japanese thugs though? Huh? I mean I was like <laughs> I don't know what actually the real Japanese thugs are, right? Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is they look like they model it from us. They look like they were from the hood, like you know what I'm saying. They were wearing like oversized jerseys, you know what I mean, like basketball jerseys, um, with like braids and cornrows and things like that. Not to say like that's like how they got down, like they were, but like no, you know, I know what you're saying, but for real, it was. I mean, I loved it. I loved living there, but like, oh, uh, the questions and just like you know, just some of the stuff, and like you also can't be, you know, like. They would say really weird shit to me, like, every time I would bring something, like, you know, just our kind of food to eat, mm-hmm. they would, like, really be in- interested in it. To the point where, like, the first couple months I was working, I was like, whatever, this is fine. And then, like, when you get a shape up after being there for, like, two years, yeah. they're still like, whoa, you have lime on your head. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, y'all need to, like, I have been getting a shape up every you know, two weeks yeah. and I've been here for almost two years, like get over it. Yeah. Or just the things that you eat and like they would always say I look angry and like I never, I'm not yeah. an angry person at all but like they misread our emotions a lot. Yeah, okay. Um, and they also just like thought that black people were so beautiful but in ways that were very creepy like mm. wanting to touch my hair. Yeah, right. Wanting to like, uh, you know, ask me if like my skin like rubbed off on my clothes which, yeah. you know, when you were at Cocoa Butter and you sweat, it, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does do that. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> But in the way that they were asking was weird, you know? So I loved it, but it's just, I don't know if I would, like, raise my kids there. No doubt. But I want to go back Uh um, for a long period of time. I think that, like, again, 
so much of Asia and like Asian cultures, Asian like pop cultures, as far as like, you know, Korean yeah, for pop sure. scene, K-pop, yeah. K-pop, Japanese pop, like so much of that is influenced by blackness. Yeah, so right. I do always tell my friends like, you know, go to Asia because yeah. like, we are already in that. No doubt. No doubt. You know? Yeah. When did you go? Uh, Maybe like, oh, three. Mm. 2003 maybe okay i don't even know like that was a while yeah it was a while ago um so but i i mean i thoroughly enjoyed it it was like me and my homie were like let's go to japan and like we need to go and i I forgot what really what was like the real thing but Mm -hmm. um i mean i was just blown away because i was just like i felt like the United States was a third world country after going to like being in <laughs> Tokyo. Why? Because just like the, the technology, just the technology insane. and everything. It was like you know you had a Times Square in Tokyo, like something that is like people's like neighborhood parks were like Times Square. You know what I mean? Like you had like these central districts that were so lit up, um, okay. like everywhere you would like turn a corner and you're like, nah, this is just like. A train station, but they're like, nah, it looks like Times Square to me again, you know. Shout out to the technology. You could pay your um your light bill, your phone bill, your gas bill. You can do all that at seven eleven. Yeah. Your all your utility bills have a barcode on them and you could bring your barcode. You could bring your utility bills to seven eleven. Wow. And I used to pay my like cell phone bill while I was like, you know, buying a Slurpee. Wow. It was yeah, really dope. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's just their technology is so convenient. I mean, That's I also right. like seeing like in 2003, like just even their GPS systems that had the buildings and everything and like people were on yeah. the phones in the subways. Like it was like all of those things. I was like, wow. But I mean, like not to get like hell academic, but I mean, yeah. I read a lot of like Wendy Chun and a lot of Asian scholars who talk about like the the crazy technology of Asia and like a lot of it is like government slash tech company conspiracies mm-hmm. in the sense of that's why everyone is on their phones in the Japanese trains because as the technology gets bigger, so as your cell phone and the capabilities that it has gets bigger, yeah. this, the physical space around you is getting smaller. Like they're building towers everywhere. They're, mm. they're you know, packing people like sardines. And people don't realize it because like your digital space is growing it's at the expense. I got you. It's some, that's some crazy wow, shit. Wow, that's, that's I didn't even think about that. That's, that's literally amazing. what's happening like wow. in the big Asian cities. So like you, there's huge skyscrapers everywhere and they're mm-hmm. building apartments that like 4,000 people live in. Right. And that's why when you go on the cell phones, even though the city's so incredibly overpopulated, yep. they behave, quote unquote, no doubt. better on the subways when they're packed. Like they're, they're mm-hmm. closer than you and I are sitting mm-hmm. in the subways, like to the point where you're literally touching someone no matter where you are in the no, subway, no, yep. no matter what time of day. Um, but people are so quiet, so civilized because their cell phones are literally like, you know, prisons. Kind right. Of. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, yeah. Shout out to vacationing in Asia. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. One question I do have to ask you because it's so noticeable and it's so dope is your hair. Okay. So your hair is cool. Thank you. It's long as hell. Thank you. How does uh, your, tell us about, you know, your hair, how does it influence your work? Oh, man. I, you have amazing hair. I uh, I'm sure that. you know that. I appreciate that. Do you uh, take care of it or is this just like natural? I, I, I do both. Like, so as of. What's two, your hair stories? As, yeah. As of like, <laughs> okay, so this, we can go to the beginning. So. Just like in like growing locks and things like that and like making that decision. And um, so I walked down the street and like people like feel inclined to ask me about my hair. Like, well, how long does it take or mm-hmm. did it take? And I was like, well, I've had locks for 20, um, 
maybe 25 years now. Um, wow. And so, like, it's, it's interesting when I try to read somebody's face because, like, I, I know, like, a lot of times I've had my locks longer than people have been, have been alive. alive. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking that because I'm only 22. <laughs> so. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and, and so, like, me um, getting locks, like, I was highly influenced by, like, 90s hip-hop. Like, that was when I was com- coming of age a teenager. Is there a particular person that had locks that you I mean, were like, like, I want locks? Like, Busta Rhymes was definitely somebody. Okay. Um, Q-Tip, like, yeah. uh, Tribe Called Quest, like, all of that, like, you know, New York style that was influenced by the Caribbean um, that was, like, highly visible at that time was, like, I, I need to do that. I mean, even going back to, like, I was at the age of, like, you know, I was listening to Buster Rhymes and highly influenced by like Tribe Called Quest and like also Crisscross was like popping off. So it was like all of those things were like, you know, like influential to like black style. Can and you explain for the millennial viewers who Crisscross is? Oh man. Like, I know who Crisscross is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Chris. But super dope. Who are they? Uh, they are, you know, the jump jump. Uh, <laughs> That's all you need to say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I used to love them. So, yeah, Chris and Chris, like, you know, it was all, one where of are they ready. at? Let's see what they look like. Oh man, you don't even want to see. Um, that, Chris. I think one of them might have died, but don't quote me on that. Edit that out if one of them did. Okay, well, this is not crisscross. No. Crisscross black people. <laughs> yeah, is it? Nope. Oh, crisscross, like with a K. K, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so I guess I'm, I've been in white schools too long trying to spell crisscross with a C. Yeah. yeah, I remember them. I feel like my hair journey now is influenced by them then. Got you. Got you. <laughs> it doesn't, there's no people. No, there's, there's, there's definitely. Okay, you know this one. This um, one's pretty cute. I don't really know about the, he's bald, but yeah, uh, they don't. They're not that old. No, they're not that old. They're they were probably like in their forties, thirties. No, I was. We were a very similar age. At, you know, what I'm saying like we're. Um, yeah, so crisscross is still. That's like, yeah, because I'm like I remember crisscross. Wow, Michael Jackson. That's well. That's you know. <laughs> we'll keep going. <laughs> yeah, they're. You're right. I feel like when I was in middle school. Wait, well, did one of them die? That's what I was trying to see. One of them did Chris Keller, Okay, see which yeah. one died. The bald the, one. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. So this hairstyle is like super queer. This uh-huh. is something I would want to do right now. Yeah, that's right. Super dope. Um, I like those long braids, like with within the like the bob kind of. Uh huh. Wow, I wonder how he died. You know, I just found out the other day, I did not even know this. Uh, you remember Black? Yes. Like, Boom Like the 808? Yeah. One of them died. I didn't know I that. I did not know that. She was hit by a car. Wow, okay. And it's crazy. I mean, I'm not a, a conspiracy theory person, but I watch a lot of ATO Housewives. Yeah. Shout out, that is my show. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, but uh, the one of the singers from Black is on that show now as, yeah. as a housewife. And it was Left Eye that discovered them. Yes. And both Left Eye and the singer of Black, they both died in car accidents. Oh, wow. Which is like so kind of wow. strange, right? Yeah. You know? But yeah, their Chris Cross was super dope. But again, I love their hair. I feel mm-hmm. like this is influencing when I want to... So that's what... It's so th- like my style. So that was like, you know, when I was, you know, at that age, like that was very... And so going back to it, it was like, I could never get waves. And so like my hair... That was, was easy for me. <laughs> that was not... Shout out to a, a cool, coolie daddy. <laughs> no, I, like my brother could get waves. I couldn't get waves. Like I also just didn't have like the attention span to like keep brushing my hair. No, you gotta... For me, you gotta see with that... Well, I don't know my father that well, so I don't know what's inside of him. Gotcha. But like he has very interesting hair. Yeah. Um, And for me, they kind of came naturally. You just had to sleep with a do-rag. I didn't have to do I the brushing or anything. So all of that, I was like, man, this is... I can't... Whatever. And it was like... So he I'm grew... Just not he grew I was, like, long locks I was like, I'm gonna grow locks. So my dad went on like a business trip. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was like 13 or 14. I was like, he's not going to go for it. And so, like, I had a fade, and I was like, I'm going to twist this up. And so mm-hmm. I twisted it up, put rubber bands in it. And so, like, I had nobody locally, like, from where I was. So I was living in um, Ann Arbor, Michigan at the mm-hmm. time, which is a college town, like, outside of Detroit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so I, I, I was just like, let me just do this. So it was like me and just, like, a few of, like, my hip-hop nerd friends who were kind of, like, still outside of, like, the realm of, like, what our, our other friends were doing. Hip-hop nerd, military, we'll at that later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I yeah. live for a good academic term. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, because, like... <laughs> we'll we come were, back to that. We're, the, the thing was, at the time, the things that were playing out, even within, like, our community in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is relatively affluent, but has had, at the time, a pretty prevalent black community that was an extension of... Um, you know, migration to the north from the south, but like also migration from Detroit. And so like we had a lot of that in Ann Arbor and um, there was like this East Coast, West Coast thing. And so my friends, we like East Coast hip hop. <laughs> Most of everybody yeah, in yeah. Ann Arbor, black, like West Coast hip hop and like the like the coming up of like Southern hip hop. And so like we were kind of out. And so Nobody Southern really hip hop would be like outcasts, huh? Southern hip hop would be like outcasts. It was it was more like UGK. It was Eight uh, Ball, MJG. Um, so like I don't you know I don't know if still if I'm dating myself with those artists. Um, no matter. Yeah, yeah, and so as long as they're black. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and then so it's like a lot of also just like West Coast, like you know, like Snoop, Dre, N.W.A. A lot of that was like also Bone was big at the time. Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like, I feel like these these folks are coming back like right now. For sure, they are. There's they this are. movement of of you know black artistry where I feel like we're making a circle. And, like you know, it's cool to go back to the artists that were dope in the '90s. Yeah, because like Snoop Dogg is still very relevant. No doubt. I don't know no. what he's doing with Martha Vineyard. What's her name? Martha, Martha Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what he. Martha, I don't know some of some. Not Martha Vineyard being a person. Yeah. But, well, whatever. White people land. No I don't doubt. know what he's doing with her, but. Um, I like that, you know, he's kind of coming back. Um, Outcast is still around yeah. somewhat. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been heavily influential, but... So your hair is influenced by... Yeah, and so, like, my dad went on vacation. I was like, I'm going to do this. And, like, when he came back, I had, like, my hair all in these rubber bands. So what I was saying is, like, I didn't know what I was doing when I started them. you taking care of it now? I'm taking care of it. So, like, I have... Coconut oil? Like, shout out, shout out coconut oil. Shout out to Monique, who, I, as of two years ago, is actually the caretaker of my hair and who actually is the only person I trust. Okay. And so she, like, so she started braiding my hair, like, twisting my hair and things like that. And so prior to that, you know, I just let it do what it did. And so um, I'm on, a, like, a new, like, new section of, like, my hair journey with, like, like Monique as being the person that, like, cares for it. Got it. Having locks in academia, give me a, you know, 30-second spiel. Never had an issue. That's why I'm in academia. Like, nobody asks, nobody says anything about my hair. And Have like, you been in spaces where it's been an issue? Not really. Like, just, like, when I started like, as a teenager, like, I had locks and, like, you know, my family, like, maybe my grandmother was like, well, what are you gonna do with your hair like that? Or my dad, like, not knowing how I could have a professional career with hair like this. But, like, he also, like, didn't stress me you know what i'm saying or like tell me to cut it off or anything mm-hmm. so you know but no i've never really had i've never had an issue like i'm an artist and i stay with i was a hip-hop artist so it's like it was expected and then like you know i came i think me growing locks was prior to like 
the proliferation within like sports. You know what I mean? Like I don't think any sports stars had locks when I started. Now a lot of them are. Yeah, good. yeah, yeah. You know, some people when I did the Don't Touch My Hair documentary, there were some black folks, I'm not one of them that, you know, was talking about locks, influence like your body and like the way that you're in touch with nature and they speak to you. Are your locks speaking to you? You're not one of those. I'm not one I'm not I don't I don't get no, um, that was kind of coming from like, like brushing with like ho tapping. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, you're not I don't, one of those locks. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't aspire to like a lot of ho tap, <laughs> um, like or philosophies any? or. I mean, you know, it's like because it's like I understand like black empowerment and what I'm really into. Same spirituality, which Same. I'm really into. But, but the I locks do- are not speaking to you, huh? And I don't. I don't know. It's like you know. It's like people have told me. It's like yeah, when you have your hair like not. Like, you know, tied up, then it's like your energy is going crazy. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of energy in there. And I can get down with that. You know what I mean? But it's like, I've had them. I've had locks um, longer than I've not had locks. And so they're just like part of my existence. And so um, I don't, people are like, do you think about cutting them? I'm like, no, nah, I don't think about cutting them either. And it's just like, I feel like I would be a like, a different I, person. I feel like I would be a different person, but I've been this person with this hair for the actually the majority of my life. So your hair is a big part of your identity. Yeah, probably my identity, and it's like don't cut it. It's really cool. It, thank you. So like, sp- like I don't, I don't, I don't discount the spiritual aspects of it. Those are things that I don't necessarily. But also like it's Monique, a very thin line. Like it's a slippery slope. Though. It's a it's a slippery slope. And yeah. To, and to give them too much power, too much credence is also I think another thing, but. I think with Monique, as like the caretaker of my hair, like she is very like spiritual and like kind of understands like a lot of these things. And, mm-hmm. you know, like when she's like washing my hair, she's like, it's speaking to me or it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like responding to me in this way. It's like, I actually feel like that connection where it's like, it probably is listening or speaking to like when somebody takes care. She sounds expensive then. Huh? She sounds expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like, yeah. <laughs> That's what I heard. I heard yeah. dollar signs. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to her, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, does she take grad student fees? I don't know. You know? Yeah, you'd have to, you'd have to talk to her. Yeah, um, I don't know. Some people, yeah, I get it. But cool. no, that's, that's, <laughs> you know, we can we can stop there with my hair. Support. Okay. All right. Uh, portals. Yeah. Tell me about this project. Okay, so Black Portals is an ongoing project that didn't necessarily come from anywhere specific and is not going anywhere specific. It is a journey. Mm. Um, and I feel like that is what portals are. They aid in journeys or they aid in like you getting from one place to another place, mm-hmm. whether it be physically or in other dimensions or whatever. Um, you know, they add, they aid with placement um, of ideas or bodies or things like that. Um, and, you know... Portals are, I think, special passageways. So, like, in in the way you say that, Black Portals is an open project. Mm -hmm. Um, It is dealing with, like, Black history uh, in the way that, like, we know it and, like, maybe how we've been brought up within Black history coming from, like, Black families. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, it's this idea of, like, not necessarily thinking about the characters in black history or the figures in black history, but thinking about the passageways that they've created or tapped into and the way that those things that 
if we're talking about black history in a historical sense, we're also talking about ancestors where you think that information or what they had or what they tapped into was lost with their death um, or their moment in time. But I'm actually thinking with black portals, these were things that were in existence before them. And these are things that they left behind that, you know, can be tapped into um, as passageways for like black people, as far as information, as far as like getting places. Um, Sounds like you're talking about kind of like work that creates like catalysts for like further engaging with like blackness as like a, a aesthetic art medium. For sure. What you're saying? For sure. So um, give me an example, like who who left behind something as far as like a portal that really inspires and like helps transcend and decolonize your work as a black artist? And- I mean, I think like, so very specifically like Marcus Garvey, mm. right? And so Marcus Garvey was like creating portals through the sea um, and creating like passage um, and transportation. Like that was a, it's a very literal way, but you know, what what Marcus Garvey was doing was like really impressive is like the scale at which he was moving black bodies um, throughout the world that didn't have to do with slavery. And so like the scale that he was working on was immense, but you know, this allowed for black people to reach other parts of the world, like go back, like this idea of going back to Africa, like he really created that passageway, mm-hmm. um, connections between the Caribbean and the United States. Um, and so that was made, I felt like that was major and what he was able to accomplish with that was also amazing. Um, but, you know, these passageways, like, you know, with say the dismantling of his like company or his death, like it doesn't have to end there, right? Mm-hmm. So like as a black portal, then um, I think Marcus Garvey, then, you know, fictional portals that, like I say, like that I would say that, um, you know, Octavia Butler wrote in as like these passageways. Um, really created like spaces for other folks to like engage their imagination. Yes. But like through a black lens, which um, is super dope for my work. Yeah. It sounds like you're engaged in like past in the present, like the future in the present. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so it's like, but it's like not to pinpoint like, Octavia Butler and like Marcus Garvey and like these they like deserve all the praise, mm. but like they they sh- what they did should not end with their like yeah death. You know what I mean? Platforms. And, yeah, and and also it shouldn't be seen as they are exceptional people, but you have to be these exceptional figures to like tap into these these portals, right? And so it's a celebration of the portal, like not so much the person. Mm. Um, so like the, it's a celebration for the, the the launching point that they kind of provided. Am I yeah. getting this right? Or the launching point or what they were tapped into. Okay. Like these were energies and powers that they might have been tapped into that are accessible to other people, mm. right? Um, and so... These are that's that's so that's how I imagine it. And so it was like thinking about when I first started to like conceptualize it, it was like this idea of like February being Black Portal Month instead of like Black History Month, where we start to like investigate uh, um what these things like these imaginary things could be or were and how we can keep celebrating the idea of like blackness without it being like tied totally to a, 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 a individual. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're hitting on some like kind of futurity. I feel like that's the connection of our work. Cause I'm really interested in Afrofuturity, which really, you know, broken down is like thinking about the future. Um, but through a black lens mm-hmm. and through a, a multi-dimensional multifaceted 
blackness. So like with me, I don't make a distinction between blackness and queerness as I always talk to folks about mm-hmm. because like I think blackness and queerness both, you know, reimagine, recreate space, leave portals yeah. that allows black people to decolonize their imagination mm-hmm. and really just like think about being being free in yeah. whatever way that looks for you. So me it's being able to be my full gay black queer self in black spaces. Right. Right. Um, which doesn't always happen. Yeah. And so by making this like interlock of my blackness and my queerness, I'm able to like transform spaces that are black centered spaces, but maybe don't um, honor or value queerness mm-hmm. in the ways that it's being, um, you know, that it percolates in my body. No doubt. So you're right. I love the point about like, it's not about like individual bodies. It's kind of about like the catalyst that they create and the launching point. Yeah. Am I in line? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, Am and, I invited to your barbecue? No, for sure. And so, <laughs> I mean, I think the thing is, is like, not to like think about, it's not dogma. Like, I don't think this is the way, this is a way of like imagining hmm. ideas and creativity and allowing those things to flourish. Right. And it's not like I have any science or mythology around these things. Mm-hmm. Got it. Cool. Uh, sorry, I had a quick I mean, little. Yeah, and, and so oh, just, I think just like one other tag on, like two two tag ons that I just wanted to like mention is like when I was watching um, the Last Angel of History in history. What's that? Have you seen that? No. It's, so you got to see it. It's like it made in the nineties, ninety six. I forget who the artists were who created this, but it's like this documentary fiction that places like this character of like a data thief mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and so they interview all of these people within this idea of afrofuturism in the 90s who were thinking of through these things and so they had octavia but they interviewed octavia butler oh cool and they were interviewing like black astronauts mm-hmm. within this and so they brought they converged all of these things within this documentary which talked about a lot of these issues we're talking about right now but mm-hmm. um through a fiction, through people's real testimonials and mm-hmm. ideas, and it also brought in through their narrative. Well, through the narrative, but it but it also was based in music. So they talked to, to people from Detroit, Derek May, Underground Resistance, and so techno artists and uh-huh. like all these conversations. And then they went to the UK because techno is like hella black, yeah, it which is. I didn't know. Yeah, but like yeah. after watching the Afrofuturist Manifesto, right? You see that on YouTube? No, I have not seen. I that. like learned about like how and um. What's the woman, uh, Ingrid LeFer? Yeah, yeah. She really tied a lot of techno to blackness and like the spaces that she talked about in her campaign. So yes. That's how I learned it. Yes, yes. And so, you know, this was in the night. And so, like, they were interviewing like a lot of the crucial like techno artists and um, they were going to the UK to mm-hmm. um, talk to like what they call the jungle artists. And Dope. so it was all this mix up. But there was a quote in there that was that was said, and I'm sure you might be familiar with it, but I think it came from this was like being a black male or I think even a black person, you already understand science fiction because your existence is science fiction. Oh, say that again. Um, That's deep for my word. Yeah, I'm all about this. Like blackness is like you know from the from the from different worlds. Well, and, and, and we and, create different worlds yeah. to survive. You know? And and so, but you know, they, you know, and I forget. I, I'm, I'm mad. I don't remember who exactly said this, but there was a saying like being a black person. In the United States means you are a science fiction character already. You're um, creating like well, you're creating, but also it's like if you go back to like if you think about the archetypes and tropes of science fiction mm-hmm. of a character in science fiction, right? Where people travel to distant places are an outsider, right? Um is usually um 
being disoriented, right? Um, and then also trying to have to make do and understand like new cultures and things like that. Mm. Then you're always placed in this um, different world. You're always placed in this different world, and you know, I, you know, it's like you come in at different angles. Like you're always other. You know what I'm saying? Like these things are always spoken through different terminology, different terminologies or contexts, but. If you're thinking about it as science fiction, then we are science fiction characters. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's super dope. I mean, I feel like your work is a lot of this is about like, you know, decolonizing the art practice when you are black. Yeah. Because of the way that we're taught, you know, we have such we have so many caps on like, you can't do this, you can't do that. Like black people don't swim, black people don't do this. And I think a lot of what you're talking about is like getting into kind of this like, you know, um nonlinear way of producing art mm-hmm. for, or producing knowledge where it's about like creating possibilities and thinking about futures and different worlds and looking at like the black experience as a science fiction experience. Right. Which is just like the stuff that makes me warm and fuzzy, which is super dope because it's just like i think that's what knowledge should be where Mm -hmm. you're using knowledge to like improve whether your everyday life or the everyday lives of the folks around you and there's just so many things that as a black person as a black man um even as like you know a student in in a in a graduate program where i don't have i don't come from a family of educators um there's so many things that i have access to here artists like you that i get to talk to that i'm like my grandma needs to hear this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Got like, you. And that's like just like the crux of being black is that none of the things that we do, I think, is about like the, the individual body. Um, it's really about, you know, bringing people up. And so for me, it's so important to have these types of conversations with people that are not in these privileged spaces, mm-hmm. like the academy, the art gallery. No doubt. You know, all of that stuff, because the things that they can tap into just from hearing like everything you just said for me is like you know, that's why we, sh- we should, and that is why we do what we do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, with that said, I do have a question yeah. for you. What is your, um, one of our segments, so okay. we're just like moving right through. <laughs> You're a good guest. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> um, you're, yeah, the, so like, what is, um, how do I even like, I'm trying, I asked everyone this, but like, what is your black boy dream? So, like, we're talking a lot about identity and portals and things that we leave behind and the work that we create as black male artists, as black artists. Mm -hmm. um, It's not just about our body, right? So, like, what is your black boy dream um, when you think about decolonizing the black imagination? Um, And I want you to kind of, like, take us there. You don't have to give too much context. This is not an academic podcast. Right, right, right. I want you to just, like, tell us what the world looks like if, like, your dreams, Wes Taylor's dreams were real right take us a thousand years a hundred years like the things that you're doing project it forward and like what is your black boy dream i mean i have i feel like i have this very specific dream um of so i feel like a lot of the work that i do is trying to think about consciousness right um and consciousness is really important because we're gonna we're gonna like start dealing with an era of consciousness that is not human, right? I feel like it's inevitable. Um, And I'm talking about machine consciousness, potentially alien consciousness, right? Um, And maybe like the mixture of both will, one will like bring us in contact with the other, right? Um, But I feel like there's gonna be this acceleration. Um, And that that consciousness in some ways will be the spark of that consciousness will come from like a human hand, I feel. Um, But I also feel like that human hand, that consciousness will be imbued with the bias of that hand and the color of that hand that sparks it. 
Um, so I'm I'm speaking very metaphorically, right? Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is like in this idea, break it down for us. In this idea <laughs> of tech and technology, code and things like that, right? Oh, I see. And and artificial intelligence. Now I know where you're going. Right. Um, Talk to the children. Yeah, yeah, and and so I we, we I feel like we are on the edge of that, right? And but the that is being pushed by a very white consciousness, mm. I would say, or mm. a consciousness that is not necessarily would acknowledge that some of this information is way more ancient or has come from other places. So it like mm-hmm. will block off origins of ideas mm-hmm. and to keep the good stuff, but always make it like white centered, white centered. Right. Or like, you know, abusing us for our labor. So it's like black girls who code, but like not thinking about how like we, our blackness can transcend what coding means for sure. And it already has like all of, all of that. Right. But so I think there's this very specific viewpoint that is going into this that is so narrow and sometimes very damaging and destructing. Like I don't very much, I don't have a lot of faith. I have pretty big, good conscience. I have pretty good confidence that this is actually going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't think AI is science fiction. We are living in, like, many realms, and it'll become more and more real. And I feel like it could be the source of our demise, mm-hmm. especially if it is these hands and these consciousness making that happen. Mm, so what is your... What's so your my dream? dream is if we're moving into this era that we need a page one rewrite on like who gets access and like generates this information, these technologies. And like for me, my dream would be like, pause, it's inevitable, right? But if it keeps going this way, we already can like see, we can like surmise like it being disruptive mm-hmm. and dis- and destructive right and the reason why we know this is destructive is because it's coming from like cultures that are already destructive and coming from destructive consciousness and thoughts and it's coming very much from a capitalistic viewpoint right mm-hmm. um in order for these things to happen and so my dream would be to put a pause on that you know not step back on like whatever this idea of progress is but go beyond like this idea of like inclusivity of like doing that, but like foregrounding and forefronting like different consciousness, different identities that could go into this and not like, you know, if you're say a coder in Silicon Valley working on this, say you have a queer identity, like your queer identity going into this code should be foregrounded instead of like being held back to be like to fit into these cultures. So you're trying to like your dream is like get rid of standardization. Yeah, I mean yes. I yeah, mean that sounds for, like that sounds like a, is that an element of your yes, but also well, just well, like, why for black men? Huh? Because it was your black boy dream. So like, you why is it specific to us? Um, because I feel like when I say black boy, I'm not making a distinction between queerness. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's just like me feeling like. You know, you I like you know. I don't ever think about myself as like not being youthful. Like mm-hmm. I've never felt old, so I still feel like you're not you know, old. You didn't even I'll, tell us how old you are. I know, but like <laughs> as like twenty two years old. I know, like a black boy. Like I feel like that is what my even now inside of you. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's trying there, to, yeah same. Trying to trying to see that happening. Like I'm, I'm trying Youthfulness to get, Yeah, yeah, it's real. But I'm just trying to get specific. Where it's just like this next phase is gonna be 
privilege to the is gonna be is gonna skew towards the privilege in ways we have never seen before. Um, well, that's kind of already happening. I know, and I think there's gonna be another acceleration of that. Um, I'm not denying it. it's already happening. Yeah. And, and but what I'm saying is that's not trending in another a different way. And I think the advantages will be totally skewed and totally unfair in ways that we won't have any control over. Mm. And we will be subject to these technologies in ways we've never thought about. Mm. And so I would like to be in control and like creating and generating these things. So how does that manifest? Is is Wes Wes Taylor going to start? You know, a space camp? No. <laughs> a portal school? No. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Like, maybe. Okay. Uh, I mean, I'm not opposed to that. It's just like... Basically, I'm, you know, I brought, I look up to you. I'm, I have you on the podcast. Like, so you going to give me a job? Yeah, I know. I know. I know. That's where but I'm there's, going with this. There's, there's potentially a school. Can I get a postdoc there, there, at this place? There's, there's potentially a school on the, um, on the horizon. Y'all need teachers? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I feel like, you know... I, I feel like, you know... Is like, the pay going to be out of this world? I, I <laughs> That is also a hope, right? I'm like, I'm not trying to, like, exploit, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I were to do something, another yeah. dream would be, like, if figure out how things cannot be exploited, which is, is tough. But. I feel like one of my black boy dreams and just, like, dreams for black queer folks in general, folks who are living in, in alternative worlds, who are pushed to the margins of society, and we thrive irregardless of that, right? Yeah. My dream is that when people like you and I apply for a job, we get... Uh, we can negotiate extra pay based on identity, no based doubt. on like the fact that like my blackness is about to turn this shit out. Hey, I'm not. I'm my not with my that. queer identity is about to you know reimagine this whole motherfucking gallery. No doubt. And, like I want to be compensated for that because I'm tired of you know as you talked about with standardization being in these spaces where you have so many different types of folks. Like we have so much quote unquote diversity, yeah, yeah. but no goddamn inclusion. No doubt. Because no it's like places like Capital One and these big ass companies mm-hmm. and schools whatever really monetize on the diversity that they have yeah the way that they would be like selling credit cards would be different no doubt like, what if trans folks were hired at you know whatever job an art gallery and they were allowed to like infuse their the ways in which like their identity is so different but the way they would be administered would be different everything would change right? like That's interest rates would be called into question like you know what yeah. i'm saying like a lot of things That's what be- i'm saying i want i want um identity pay yeah yeah <laughs> because we're already like like going back to our conversation about japan right mm-hmm. so much of japanese like pop culture is influenced by blackness but yeah. they don't know that they don't know, talk right? about that so like we i want all those folks that influence that to be paid and i, I see like future intelligence Does that make being sense? just like japanese people yes you know what i mean like not knowing where they got a lot of that from yes um but yes the going back to the pay i i fully support you in that yeah and i, I can get down with that that's dope. That was, that was a good full circle. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next thing I do want to ask you about is um, Caucasity. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We kind of already just hit on that. Yeah. Uh, the, the fact of like, I think the Japan example for the for the listeners is a good one. Just yeah. like already having a space that is so heavily influenced by blackness and by queerness and by the, the simultaneity of both. Mm-hmm. But you ask someone that's, you know, running shit in that space and they have no idea yeah. that like, they're influ- that like we, yeah. we build this whole thing which I'm, I'm, if you go back to like this so mm-hmm. well, I, I have very specific caucasity stories but I was like actually <laughs> investigate like I was internally investigating like my um so my friend um Dream Hampton who was this writer that's and a really dope name scholar from Detroit and she's pretty much um a major 
figure in popular culture for a lot of different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, her daughter, Nina, who I was able to like teach in class, like programs in Detroit, um, it's just like graduating college, which is also crazy because like I've, you know, worked with her as a youth mm-hmm. and, you know, she's really into K-pop and is like learning Korean, wants oh. to go to Korea. And she's black? And she's black and cool. wants to be really much involved in K-pop. And then I was like, well, what is her affinity to K-pop? But then it could be also like... K-pop is hella black. It is, but Connected also, but also like her... Like, maybe she has this affinity towards it as a fan, maybe, but also, like, acknowledges that it is such a black thing mm-hmm. without, like, black faces at- uh, attached to it. Like, everything in America. Obviously, but <laughs> um, maybe that is also, like, her way of creating this bridge back to, like, the influence and, like, knowing that, you know, there's, like, this exploitation of culture yes. that black people are not involved with whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'll have to ask Nina if, if that was, or at least dream to see if that was like part of it. Um, we can bring her on the show. Yeah. 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 You're like so deep in these very, I think, attainable ways, but you be going real deep. Okay. You're clearly like thinking about these portals and all these types of things. Like, you know, just like, like your everyday kind of thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I maybe even going back to Caucasity, like I teaching students, I get Clark Cassidy from students. And so I'm going to make this really brief. Yeah, give us your... It's event time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, give us your, so your Clark Cassidy. Tell me about the time a, you experienced. I had a final project that yeah. was due. Okay. Um, We had a lot of weather issues. I'm going to use your phone charger for Yeah, okay, okay, on campus, um, which altered, like, production schedules to get things done, like, finals schedules and things like that. Just threw off, like, people's, like, normal routines and, mm-hmm. you know, trying to close up school but then i got a email from a student requesting who is caucasian yes say it's it's okay it's my podcast yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you gotta give us the kind give Um, us the caucasity context yeah caucasity context well i (laughs) I feel like was also this email was the voice of a lot of other caucasity um (laughs) requests or like it was giving you flashbacks no 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 (laughs) i'm saying within my class like i feel like this her voice was the voice of a lot of uh, yes Okay. You know, right. and so this email and had the caucasity to request that I make my final project extra credit um, and cited having to do other like exams and do things for other classes and things like that. But then I was like, well, how does that how what kind of luck are you getting asking your other professors to make their <laughs> finals um, extra credit as well? And so. I couldn't even respond to that email because it of was the caucasity. Yeah, exactly. The caucasidation. I could her. not. I could not respond to it. Um, so that that is a very like quick anecdotal thing. But I felt like words with us, and we're in classes that are taught by white people. We always have to think. Thank you so much for allowing me to be in this class. Yeah, exactly. I love everything you teach. I just have one question, Mister Sir. You know. Yeah. But she and, and, came at you just like, look, you're finally ain't shit. Yeah, and 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 also, I actually do not have a problem with this student. Actually, I feel like it was called Cassidy. It's just like. <laughs> I just had to figure out like how to have a conversation with this person. Like you need to check your privilege. Yeah, yeah. And doing this like this might be based on your familiarity with me. You know what I mean? Like I might have a whole different like vibe in class for you to think that you could ask me. Yeah, yeah. The whole syllabus. Right, right, right. But at the same time, like that has to get checked, and for you to speak on behalf of 
um, anonymous other people within the oh, class. Oh, you, you forgot that part. So yeah. the email came at you as like, not just me, but me yes. and Becky and Sue exactly. and S- S- Steve. Yes, yes. Think. Yes. And it oh. weren't listed. It was just like people in the class feel like. <laughs> she was the Becky spokesperson. Yes, exactly. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then how do you reply to that? I had a whole reply ready. <laughs> and I wrote this reply and had to stop myself from doing this because for a couple reasons. I had, I was work. I had made concessions and my concessions were my time and my energy. So when things were shut down, I made things available to the students that were not available to other students because the school was closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a concession that I made. And so I was dealing with the students that were actually present trying to work on their projects. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want to give spend too much time writing her an email and going back and forth with her mm-hmm. when I had students grinding it out and like working on it. So I didn't respond. We kind of talked after like, I will probably send her an email. But you gave the final. Okay. I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, didn't switch even, it. So I didn't. Good job on you. You didn't even, you didn't even, you know, no, uh-uh. entertain uh-uh. the uh-uh. caucasity. No, no, no. I kind of did. It was like, actually the caucasity, the, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> loud into the I'm microphone. Not, not, it's called Cassidy. It's just like you, get you, said, you said vent. You said <laughs> sorry. You said vent. I'm not trying to, you know, you, you're be a white man. No, you're, you're drudging these, these things. <laughs> up. But I can, I can, I can close this off. Like at, with this was the Cassidy actually made me second guess and think about like should I actually? Well, that's this? always the case. That's I, what they I, they know they have the power I, to do that. I know, I know, and so mm-hmm. I didn't bid in. That's deep. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta you gotta get to a place where you where you don't do that. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember I had a small Cassidy when I got into um, a program and my supervisor, white man, was like. Oh, you're gonna start like dressing differently now that you got into this program, and I was like, "What?" Like, <laughs> I didn't know. You, first of all, I didn't know you had a problem with my dress. Second yeah. of all, why are you commenting on my dress? Third of all, just because I got into a program doesn't mean I need to change my appearance. Yeah. Like, I've been working for you for two years, so. But then, it, as you said, it does make you get back to your desk. Like, oh, like I don't dress nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, thought yeah. I did. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so you got to claim your power where. You, you know how to just, you know, not even embrace it. Because if you let the white caucasitiness go through no your doubt. body, no doubt. it's only going to damage, you know, that's, For sure. that's the system. It's, For a te- sure. it's a technology yeah. that one group suffers and another person only um, produces. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you want to get deep in that way. Huh. But speaking of caucasity, what do you feel about this? Uh, we don't have to talk about it too much yeah. for the sake of, you know, jobs, but right. our school stuff. Yeah, I mean... Hot mess. It is a hot mess. It's, yeah. It, it. I mean, I will say this. It needs open discussion. Mm-hmm. Yes, it needs transparency. It needs acknowledgement of things that happen. It needs acknowledgement that Multiple racism... Multiple things have happened, yeah. Yeah, things have happened, but racism exists here. It will rear its ugly head. Um, we have not done away with racism. You know what I'm saying? It exists, so we can... Just because we admit... Yeah, just because we admit... Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. and so the thing is, I'm 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 actually looking at this title right here, like multiculturalism in visual arts education. Are are America's institutions ready for multiculturalism? Written by 
Murray DePillar. Shout yeah. out, shout out to Murray. First black dean of uh, BC School. Of right, right, right. And you so, weren't around then. Though, I wasn't right? around oh. then, but Murray was just also cited in a meeting that I had. I'm not going to go into that, but nice. in a good way. Yeah, he was but, dope. Yeah, and I think actually this paper was actually cited when somebody was bringing it up. But, Very interdisciplinary black artist um, that has an amazing legacy that a lot of people in the art school don't know about. Yeah, I don't even I don't know him or about him either. So mm. I would I would actually you know love to like learn more. Mm. But the thing was... We can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Include him in the Portals Project. Okay, for sure. There we go. I'm just trying to get a job. No, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> but like, I'll, I'll, I'll bring it back to... Um, VCU is a unique place mm. because I feel like no... The answer is no um, to that this question of mm. the title. Mm. And VCU is in an interesting place because it is actually... I feel... I will give it credit for like making an effort. Mm. Mm. Um, and like I've picture myself in different places and I'm like actually I still want to be at VCU like I feel like there's a lot of things that need to happen but VCU actually has allowed for people to have like these voices Mm -hmm. um, and this friction so what we're experiencing is this friction um, of allowing different voices to be present in the space and so people when there's like I feel like a uh, essential amount of people, people do not choose not to suffer in silence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so if the the percentages were different, mm-hmm. and fewer black people or people of color or you know people with like I- identities that are like marginalized. I feel like when these instances happen, people more than often chooses to suffer in silence. Mm. And so that's not happening here. Mm, and true. so it's causing pain all over the place, right? I and see. then and so. I find, and so when I go to other places and I'm like, man, would I go here? The pay is better. You know, these things are better. And I was like, man, this place is so white. I can't be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And if a student did have this problem, then they probably would not be vocal with these issues. And so these things would never be present on this campus. Mm-hmm. So that's that's part of like not speaking directly to the issues, but how I feel like on a broader scope. Mm-hmm. I see that. I totally get that. And how does it, you know, do you feel this pressure, like, you know, being a black male art, art teacher here that like students come to you and because, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff that's going on. So you may say you said something about suffering in silence. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I feel like it has to be hard being a teacher because the, the students are probably going to come to you more. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. If that makes sense. No, and I feel like, you know, they are... They it's do, additional labor. Yeah, it's it's emotional labor. Mm-hmm. It's additional... Um, I feel like I have students that attach um, themselves to me and identify with me, and it's just like, this is... This is what I wanted, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, so going to other places, like, I never felt in academia, rarely did I feel, like, culturally in or a cultural fit whether it be with my professors or my peers. Mm. And so, you know, even though, like, I feel like there's this attachment or I feel like this responsibility, like, this is what I always wanted. Like, I wanted to have these conversations, mm. right? Mm. Um, talk you want to be a mentor to students that look like you. Yeah, but be a mentor, but, like, also a peer, like, just to have off-kilter conversations that are not supported by the, like, the institution. Like or, this one. I know, right? <laughs> so Shameless plug. Yeah. It's so, so smooth, though. It is, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's good. Um, and so, like, yes, this is this is what I asked for. Mm. This is what I wanted. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is these are the things that I want to help foster and incubate, right? You make a really strong point because I feel like I have been in Richmond for a long time and didn't know you, but like you're speaking really well to like this kind of the spirituality and the connections and like the fact that like being black, we know no stranger, right? Like mm-hmm. I heard about you, heard about your work, looked at you online, and I saw you around, I was like this guy seems dope. Like I want to be his friend. And yeah. like in that way, it's not about just like being friends, but it's like, I want to learn from him. Yeah. And I think that you're speaking to how important it is um, as a teacher that is of the other, right? Mm-hmm. Queer, black, mm-hmm. etc. cetera. Um, it's just so there's something beautiful that happens when we're able to just like connect without necessarily being within the institution, but like outside of it. And no, yes, no. credit the institution for giving us, you know, platforms to be able to connect. But like, I want to be that mentor as well. Like, you know, there's that I can't explain that feeling I get when I when a, a black student who's in grad school like hits me up and is like, yo, I heard you did this. I would love to just like talk to you because I'm also applying. And it's like I'm about to help, you know, another homie get yeah. into this program. Um, there is something that is so powerful and like self-fulfilling about that. No doubt. Um, going back to like it's not about the body. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that we should have to hide that. You know, I think that we should have I think that that actually increases the way that our work um, thrives. No so, doubt. Yeah, I love that. No doubt. How does your work in your mind transcend labels that like help transcend outside of like stereotypes of like black cis men? And what that, and what you are typically like subjected to. So like, how does your work kind of transcend labels of black cis men, cis men like black straight men? Yeah. Just like, how are you? How do you feel like you're like complicating that? I mean, I think one is I complicate that by working with queer identifying people, mm-hmm. like as you know, as core collaborators, mm. um, and as, you know, also not like as token, not to be token. I not to- I was, yeah. I was, I'm about to say is like as sources of inspiration. Oh, dope. Right. You know? So it's like, I'm not just working like with, like, I don't even know what that means just to work with. I mean, you're like, working with me. So I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. You but just said, I inspire yeah, you. Yeah. 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 For sure. I'm going to take it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, I think, I think, you know, I think sometimes in creativity, when things are talking like in a bigger sphere with like more popular people, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel like when people get caught up with like say saying something homophobic or something like that, they're like, nah, I have like homophobic stylists or whatever, and like you know, or it's like I, I deal with like um, gay, lesbian, trans people, like they do these services all the time, like the things that they're stereotypically known for, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they never talk about like these people are like. Um, equal in like my creative process, or they are mm-hmm. inspirational to to what I do. So you know do you I feel mean? like sometimes black straight men are ashamed to talk about their queer inspirations? Yeah, I don't think that's ever come up in like the public sphere. You know what I mean? Google. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm saying, like, think, it's, like it's rare. You know what I mean? I'm not. I think that maybe we're in different spaces, but do you, do you find that in some of the spaces, you know, barbershop dude spaces that you hang out, black dude spaces, yeah, that that is a common phenomenon? I don't think that's a phenomenon at all. Like, I'm saying, like, to talk about, like, inspiration. Oh, like, oh, you know oh, what I'm oh, saying? Oh. Like... To go deep. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I didn't, I've never thought about it from that angle, but... But, or, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you no, know, it's like, you know... um, Or, like, qual- using qualifiers. You know what I mean? If they find, like... If somebody finds, like, 
they are inspired by somebody that is openly queer, right? Gay, straight. Yeah, but there's always a qualifier of like, I know they're gay, or it's like, they're gay, but I don't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, it's like... Damn. You, you, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but like it's the like... Like the no homo phenomenon? It's like, it's, yeah, but yeah. it's like, it's past that, but it's still like, these I, are qualifiers. I you thought know we were I mean? past that. I, but I also think maybe I don't associate or chill with... I, the, I, I don't do it like, so much either. It's yeah. like, but um, what I'm saying is, you know, just to like be like, just like... No, I'm working with this people. But there's also, I feel like, these weird um, ways of this, like, certain acknowledgments happening or, like, ways of working. And that, I would say, like, a very contemporary version is, like, how that plays out is with, like, um, Odd Future um, and, like, Tyler, the Creator mm. with, you know... I love Tyler, the Creator. Yes. And he says homophobic things sometimes, but it's my understanding that he's queer, right? Yes, but that becomes complicated, right? Yeah. Um, and so... It's not really that complicated. I think that, you know, uh, straight male patriarchy is... It's powerful. It's yes. Like that yeah, men, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a, is a, it is a, a dividend but I think that the, men the compl- benefit from. I think the complicated thing is, like, people do not understand it as him trolling oh. um, or this being, like, for promotional purposes, mm. they don't under like people don't know if this is sincere or real mm. or part of his persona to like drum up sales, mm. and so that's where it becomes complicated because it's like, like it's like basically it sounds like translation. You're asking like, is he a fuck boy or is he not? Yeah, or is like, <laughs> is he queer or is he not? Does he yeah. just say these things to like draw attention and get or, a different audience? Yeah, with, get yeah. different audience, or it's like this, and because of the you know, what's your take on it though? What do you think? Um, I. I don't know. I, I that's what I'm saying. Like this word's complicated for me because it's like I can't say like definitively this person is a gay male or a gay black man because it's only in, like insinuated mm. in in certain ways. And when it's brought up, even from him, it never feels or sounds sincere. Mm. Yeah, I just think that like you know blackness is hella complicated, and black men, straight or or gay or queer, who are um, straight passing, yeah. you know, masculine, yeah, traditionally yeah. what we think is masculine. Um, it's, they get dividends from that. Yeah. And they're not going to give that privilege up overnight. No, and for so sure. Sometimes it's like, you're, like what you're saying, where it seems like it's um, not sincere, mm-hmm. artificial, but that is like, you know, you're not all skin folk is your kin folk. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And it's interesting that you think that way because like I listen to Tyler Perry and I'm Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry. That's a whole other. Yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> right, That's right, a whole right, other one. Right, right, right. Um, but Tyler the Creator, I find his work, his music is really dope. But like, yeah, he does kind of troll sometimes. So. That's complicated. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean... And you're you know, saying that you have to transcend beyond the stereotypes because it, it's not a factor for you. I, I mean, I hope, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And it's just also... Just, I heard you have, so the streets are talking that okay, you're okay. good people. I mean, you know, it's like, it's also like... <laughs> Your friends like you. Yeah, I mean, I've been, you know, I feel like... Not that I've been trained well, but it's just like, I... You've been trained well. I've, yeah, okay. You must have a good mom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> good mom, but also, like, just good friends. It's just like, I... Good. You know, it's like uh, even talking about like a personal like journey and like just to be like vulnerable. It's mm. just like I had, um, you know, struggles with like homophobia like earlier on as like a teen and like coming of age. Mm. But then you know, I feel like I've gotten past that based on like familiarity and like understanding and having conversations and like 
you know, being vulnerable in those ways. But then it's like, who was the who was the main influencer for you? Like, who did you have those conversations with? Was it a family member? Like, so ill. My, my oh. once again. So shout out to ill. I know, I know. It was like really a, it's like your a doula, major, your, a major your mentor, and like how yeah. I can like you know, um, you know be in existence with people with like different identities and like I and and express like self expressions, right? And and not be uncomfortable and be mm. like I feel like being very um like just to be present. And it's like, you know, it's like these stages of like, you know, working with and um, you know, friends with and like, you know, helping foster like creativity of like even mm. like trans identifying people like mm-hmm. and people that are like trans like those were these were all I felt like barriers of like familiarity that I had to have to like work with people mm-hmm. or to know people and to be you know with people and like even in fellowship with people in order to like you know have levels of and, and it seems weird because like sometimes like it seems like still external to me but also um being able to um, have just like a general comfort level, and I, what I'm saying, I'm trying to avoid words like acceptance because it's like it's not on me to accept somebody for who they are. You know what I mean? It's like I don't like so. It's not like levels of acceptance like that doesn't. I'm not the qualifier of like how people exist. <laughs> you're you know, you're I mean? not a gatekeeper. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? You need so, to tell that to other black. People. I know, I, and so, so what I'm saying is like that is like a very huge like view of myself of like saying like I have to accept you or mm-hmm. like, come to a level of acceptance for mm-hmm. like. That's not that's not on me, you know what I mean? Like, like a you know, a trans like man has just as much power or like credence to accept me and who I am. Good. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then so it's like just to even have those understandings. Mm. Um, but then also like working, you know, it's like working with my students and like you know, yeah, you always being, have to be being able not to dead name. You know what I'm saying? Like, or, like and knowing that um things are fluid like i could have a student that's like yeah you know my i'm they you know like i identify as like they them like at one stage in the semester and then like we'll totally like um identify like as how they were born like Mm -hmm. halfway through the semester it's like well what's up with that like i'm still calling you by like you know your chosen name you Mm -hmm. know it's like well what's going on but you know, also being able to float, like, as people understand in, like... Fluidity. Fluidity yeah. in their their own, you know, self-expression, right? Yeah, I mean, you give me a lot of, like, black boy joy, black boy love vibes. And for me, I I hope to have more, you know, black male friends who, who are straight, mm-hmm. to be completely honest. But I just feel like sometimes our love for each other... Uh, can't transcend beyond sexual orientation. And yeah. That's very harmful and hurtful, but, you know, that's a reality. And it's like a lot of these conversations and what I do with my work is really trying to show this connection between blackness and queerness instead of this, like, distinction and this, like, wall and barrier. And, like, yeah, in my dream, I want to be in a space where, like, a black cis man who is straight identifying can 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 pay homage to the queer um, folks that inspire him without us always having to be like, they're great, but they're gay. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? So yeah. you're making a really strong point. Um, I think a lot of hip-hop culture and just black culture, black men, uh, 
wrestle with that, um, i.e. wrestle with homophobia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, especially as it connects to when you start to hone into your artistic identity. Like, you know, sorry to break it to you, but like if you're a black and you're an artist and you're like in the in the art scene, yeah. then like your artistic identity is influenced by queerness. No doubt. Um, yeah. So I don't know, you know, who thinks different, but like, shut up, you know, yeah, like it's no just, yeah. yeah. So like lean into that yeah, for uh, sure. and lean into the fact that like, you know, there doesn't have to be such a distinction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I want to be your friend. Yeah. <laughs> I come in peace. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so yeah, I hope that, you know, that dream manifests into real time, real yeah. spaces. That's, that's my dream. That's what I'm trying to do with my work. I feel like there's so many signifiers within your work as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, do you feel this responsibility to be in, to be present in spaces in this way where like you have to shut down homophobia or you have to, you know, express yourself in these ways and that it, maybe it influences other black men to do the same. Like, I mean, sometimes or you I, just feel like you're you. And, I mean, I, I think that I'm me, but also so both. And we love to say that word. Yeah. Yeah. In academia. Um, you know, I think simple gestures of mm. like going back to like a classroom where I might have cis straight black males in the classroom. Mm. Right. And I feel like just another qualifier is I have to give a lot of credit to what's like happening now, because I think some of these things are not even big deals to a, a generation that I didn't come from, like Very a true. younger generation, right? Yeah. But like, also just the gesture of like, when I'm doing um, introductions and having students introduce themselves and like creating the space for being like, no, we, you know, we're gonna do pronouns. Pronouns, yeah. and if you don't do pronouns, I'm gonna ask you again to do your pronouns. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's like you can't gloss over this as a thing like Mm -hmm. being like I didn't know or it's like you know what I am it's like no what are your pronouns Mm -hmm. right and so um, even if somebody feels like slightly uncomfortable with that I think that gesture is setting the space setting the space where like I see your identity affirming other people that typically aren't informed exactly good good it's dope Last segment. Yeah. Um, what is like something in black popular culture that like you're rocking with right now? Is it insecure? Is it Atlanta? I'm just naming things that I like. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> I mean, I like you? both of those things. I need to finish this season of Insecure. I finished this season. Uh, you're like far behind. I'm so, so, I'm so far behind. Okay. Like, I'm like leaving a lot of series that I like hanging. Atlanta, I really... I love Atlanta. I love Atlanta. And I, the guy that's in Atlanta who plays the rapper, uh, what's his name? Paperboy. Paperboy. He's he's in If Feel Street Can Talk. He does an amazing job. Got you. He's really good. I did. I mean, I, I so it was really beautiful to see like his longevity as an actor. Yeah. Because I'm so. I mean, I've only known him as Paperboy. So right. To see him right. In, if Bill Street can talk, he's like the he's like the best friend of the of the husband, and like he's really good. And got so you. he's that, also in Widows. Um, I don't watch Widows. Widows is like well, is the the movie with um. I haven't seen that yet. What's her name? Um. Oh, Viola Davis. Viola Davis. I have heard about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I I mentioned this because I love to kind of pick people's brains, black people brain about like what you know in this current movement i feel like there's just like so many black center shows that are you know by us and for us yeah. like Issa Rae's work atlanta yeah. um i don't know if widows is directed by a black person but um yeah. i'm really fascinated by like you know what you feel like you're gravitating to for me it's definitely insecure definitely atlanta in so many ways and the ways that atlanta is just like unapologetically black mm-hmm. um i like queen sugar i don't watch it that much i haven't seen um, it but like 
doesn't just be a series. Right, it right, could right, be a movie, right. a book. Like, yeah. what's in popular culture right now that you're like, this is speaking to me? Is it This Is Us? It's not a black show. I've, I've seen a couple kind of those. It has yeah, some, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, they yeah. some conversations. Um, what is it for you? I mean, I've, I'm, I mean, I'll go back to Atlanta, like, based on, like, the conversation we had previously mm-hmm. of, you know, we were talking about, like, just, like, making work that does not, I, I feel like, maybe does not not take and that's a double negative but mm-hmm. the white gaze into account but takes the white gaze into a different um consideration mm-hmm. where it is like not the main consideration True. and i feel like it's produced filmed and acted in ways that kind of do not on the surface do not seem to have the self-consciousness of mm-hmm. needing white gaze approval um, or validation. You're saying gaze, just for clarity. Yes, Not yes. Gay. Yeah, we yeah. love the gaze. Yeah, 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 yeah. G-A-Z-E. Exactly. <laughs> just better make sure. Yes, yes. We don't want to get, you know, shut uh, down. No, I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> um, but I, I think the way the, the, the way these shows are created mm-hmm. and the considerations that they have, um, think about authenticity as a way, like they are authentic in ways that white people may or may not understand and yeah. I think they're cool with that. And that's totally cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like there's this... There's more of that happening, I think. I think there is more of that happening. And so it, like, makes watching some of these shows and series way more enjoyable. For like, us, yes, specifically. For, yeah, 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 yeah. Hmm. Um, and so, like, you know, I brought up previously, like, in Atlanta, I feel like there was a d- depiction of a character and a situation that was the most authentic depiction of an experience that I feel like would have happened to me mm. on film. What was that? That was the FUBU episode. Um, <laughs> and so the FUBU episode was so much... With the t-shirt? With the, yeah, the FUBU jersey. So you really resonated with that? That resonated with me. Which kid? The bully one or the one... Just the whole the whole scenario. Yeah, it was like, so good. I, I don't know, like, it wasn't necessarily the character. It was the scenario. I was like, that is my high school. That was my middle school. I had a yellow FUBU t-shirt that I wore every Friday gotcha. when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, it, had, it just had the FB. <laughs> like, you know how it kind of looked like a pop-out? Yeah. And it was, it was bright yellow and, like... I would pay money to find that T-shirt, but I wore it every Friday. Yeah, I mean, all the way down. To, it was so authentic <laughs> that, like, all the way down to like him going to Marshalls to go buy that jersey. <laughs> but with it is his real, mom. But wait, just for clarity, though, for people who don't know, because I am one of them. Yeah, Fubu shirts and stuff at Marshall. It is the. It's real, right? What Marshall sells real name brands. So yeah, no, they do. But well, his was his actually. It wasn't fake. It wasn't fake. It was like not to me. It was like fake. It was just the fact that he went to Marshalls. Mm-hmm. Sorry, he went. He went to. He went to Marshalls with his mom <laughs> to go shopping, and like, like that is like my childhood. Like that was like all the way down. But then like they had the name brands for cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was easier to persuade your mom to buy you the name brands if you were at Marshalls. I mean, like all of that, but it was just like even that self consciousness of like knowing you got it from Marshalls. <laughs> like all of that is all of that is real. So black. <laughs> so. And all the way down, so like when that, that episode, like I texted all my friends, have you seen the FUBU episode of Atlanta? I was like, that was like us, like growing up. And mm-hmm. so like everybody was like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and so. I get it. I get yeah. it. I get it. So you felt that was just like your tea on that episode. For sure. Yeah. For sure. yeah. It hit it, the nail on the head. Atlanta is good for that. Yeah. I mean, and thinking about making films and being a part of portal projects, like I think you're right. It does set this kind of like platform that the, the show only gets better and it enhances it when like we're able to put our real stories, our real authentic stories 
outside of the white gaze yeah. on top of the show, right? Yeah. So you use the show as a catalyst to have these kinds of conversations. No doubt. Because you just totally made me think about that FUBU t-shirt that I wore every Friday, the <laughs> yellow one, and I don't know where it is, and, but I'm going to dig for like a photo of me in that t-shirt. Yeah. Yes. This is good. Yeah. Thank you. So My voice is cracked like a teenager, <laughs> but thank you so much um, for coming on. I'm so glad we are friends. I'm, I'm glad we're friends. I'm glad this <laughs> happened. I'm, and also, I feel like I'm glad this happened outside of like the semester. And this closes out on, you know, what does 2019 look for West Taylor? Uh, 2019. So three, give me three things. I'm going to protect my time and space. Okay. Um, I'm going to be better with money. Okay. Um, and better with money. What are you splurging on right now? I don't even know what I splurge on. That's the, that's the problem. It's like I'm hair not, care. It's not, it's not, <laughs> that it's lady not. that's talking to you. Well, so yeah, her, like, her dress is talking to you. They saying pay me. But more. My, like <laughs> I definitely have to have a budget. Like that's definitely needs to be budgeted out. Okay. Um, is it sneakers? Is it jewelry? What is like your splurge? Ugh. I mean, I love. What is it for me? I like. Um, I wish I had more money to buy books. I know that sounds super geeky. No, no, shoes. It's boots. I love boots. Okay, got you. I will buy a pair of boots, you know, and, and not have lunch. <laughs> I, no, I, okay. I love boots. Okay. For me, it's, it's travel and art equipment. I splurge on no. God, you just made me sound like such a capitalist. I'm like, I love boots. You're like, for me, it's experience. No, no, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> it's, it's paint. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, no. That's, that is what I find myself splurging on now. Where are you going in 2019 then if it's travel? Uh, f- 2019, I'm going to Iceland. Oh, yes. On the second. This is vacation, not work. This is vacation. Good. Up and down. All right, what's your third thing? You said you had three resolutions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you gave, you told me to tell you three resolutions. I don't know if I had any off the top, so. Um, <laughs> Protect your time. Yeah. Be better with money. Hallelujah. Me too. And third one. My third. Execute to the fullest of the opportunities that are already set in motion. You took us out. You're taking us out with a deep one. <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, good luck to you. I mean, I'm, I'm sure this is not the last time you're going to be on Black Matter. Okay. You're coming back. Right? I, okay, I hope so. I hope so, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was really dope. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chad. Right, dap to you. Yeah. You know, digital dap. Yeah, no doubt. This is Aurelio Babbitt, the editor of the Black Matter Podcast. You can check out my music at soundcloud.com slash darklightblue. This is Gerson. I make the beats for the podcast. You can hit me up for exclusive beats on my Instagram, Gerson Bunia underscore.